From the Dykeman Farmhouse Museum in the heart of Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims. And today, we're turning our spotlight on filmmaker Carlos Deschamps. Carlos is an uptown native who creates short films and does photography work under his brand, Cinematic Heights Productions. His short films, Distances and Or in the Heights, both were official selections at the Inwood Film Festival. Raised by a Dominican family in Washington Heights in Harlem, Carlos knows the importance of a community in a small neighborhood and enjoys learning about various cultures and their histories. Putting that passion to use, he has created and co-hosts a new podcast called Empanadas Sin Raisins with his best friend, Ariel Gonzalez, in which they have an entertaining educational discussion about topics that heavily influence society. We're going to talk about that and so much more. But first, Carlos, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a well done introduction. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Well, it's really good seeing you in person. It's, it's been like a year since I've seen you. Yeah, literally. Probably a year plus. Yeah, it's been a while. And yeah, glad to be out here. Glad to be brought up into the Inwood community for things like this and just in general, you know, come out of the house, but also, you know, stay protected, stay safe. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And it's really awesome we're here at the Dykeman Farmhouse Museum. And you told me it's your first time here, Yeah, it's right? my first time, I know, being from, like, uptown. It's kind of like being a New Yorker, where you're like, I'm from New York, but never been to the Statue of Liberty. I'm from uptown, but never been inside the Dykeman Farmhouse. So actually, yeah, I'm excited. It's my first time here. And hopefully I will come back in the future to get a proper tour of this place. Yeah, they're still working on phasing people in, but I will say this, you can get ticketed uh, when they are open, just like any other museum in the city, you can get timed tickets to enter and walk through, and uh, they have a really cool art exhibition here right now. If you're watching the video version of the podcast, you can see some of it behind us here, mm -hmm. uh, and they will host, uh, they have great history talks here, um, they're very much uh, about... Um, uh, the whole uptown burial ground uh, conversation right now at, at the slave burial ground that was yeah. here. Um, they're getting very involved with the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and so it's really great to see uh, an institution like Dykeman Farmhouse being very involved in the conversation of town culture. Which is great. And yeah, the farmhouse should expect me to register within the year, hopefully. <laughs> I think they expect a lot of people too. And I think that's music to their ears. I yes, think yes. Any, any cultural institution will be glad to have patronage after man we're coming out a year like mm -hmm. it's been a year since we'll just say civil authority kind of put the crackdown yep. on us in new york state uh even though it was a slow roll coming over from china and through mm -hmm. europe and now to, to us this time last year it's finally when the, our 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 electeds told us <laughs> to stay home. We're staying home. And, it's, it's uh, interesting because uh, yesterday at work we had a virtual happy hour to celebrate the one year. So we were just uh, just talking about like, oh, remember when uh, we were in the office? And it was funny because the what was it? it was a Friday the Thirteenth, uh, and at my job they were like, oh, let's do a practice of what it would be like to work from home. So bring all your stuff, and next thing you know, Monday came around, and that's when the the curfew or working from home came into effect. So we're like, we were prepared, but at the same time we weren't because we just thought it was going to be like a day of practice of working from home. And yeah, then a year later, look at us now, used to it. And hopefully in the fall or in the winter time, we will probably be going back to the office, at least for some people, most people, uh, with the vaccine rolling out. But yeah, uh, this has given me a value experience to just think about just in general, like just, 
in life in general to don't waste your time on unnecessary things. Like definitely, uh, I was able to focus more time with my family, was able to do things that probably I wouldn't have done because of work or other stuff. But we were kind of forced to sit back and just uh, adapt to a new situation that I think in a way I see as a gift. Because I don't see us in the future having another type of situation where we have to work from home, we're stuck at home. Um, so there's a lot of teaching value. I know some people probably agree, and some people probably disagree. But at least personally for me, um, I rather look at the positive than the negative. Because um, that's honestly what we can do at this point. But yeah, you know, got to keep head high and keep moving forward. And uh, yeah. And is there, uh, is there any takeaways from this year looking back in a year? I guess the one takeaway is don't be too hard on yourself. And in terms of like trying to find success, uh, no matter if it's like at work or filmmaking or any other type of situation, just take the days a day at a time. Take every task a day at a time. There's no reason to rush. Um, There's no reason to um, be like, oh, I'm not here. I'm looking at my friends and I feel like they're way ahead of me. Like, definitely take your time, every person's life, and uh, the things that they do is based on the, uh, how I say it. Uh, yeah, it's like each person's um, life is different than the other, so you shouldn't compare yourself to other people, life, achievement, success, etc. cetera. Uh, so, yeah, definitely that's something I learned. Just live day, a day at a time, and don't try to live life in a rush. And readjust your expectations, right? Exactly. I think that's important. I mean, I know I'm guilty of that myself. And I mean, you remember we had the film festival it was going to happen this weekend a year ago. Yeah, I remember. We were the first to cancel one of them because of, you know, Columbia, you know, canceled classes. Mm-hmm. And so put the kibosh on any kind of activities. And, uh, you know, we have all these wonderful films yeah. <laughs> ready to go. And it, it pains us to say um, we couldn't have it at the same time as that. Uh, Everyone, I, I, it's been really wonderful how supportive, uh, I mean, I called every single filmmaker, you know, just saying, mm-hmm. listen, we want to have it, we'll do it when it's safe, and, you know, we can do things online, and we have done a lot online, as you know, including uh, yes. your shows. Uh, we create our short film Fridays to keep promoting local uptown filmmakers and promoting local uptown small businesses who need your support. Um, it's it's all you can do is to pivot and to keep, uh, and, you know, expectations uh, you can be your own with Danny sometimes mm-hmm. right uh, and giving yourself permission to adjust I think is important yeah and definitely that's the great thing you guys been doing uh, just promoting especially like uptown filmmakers because I know there's a lot of film um, a lot of film festival that probably like oh we have to shut down but maybe they haven't had the idea of like oh let's do let's promote a film or two especially if they're based like in a small neighborhood even if it's like in New York or outside of New York. So yeah, definitely I'm glad to see that Inwood is still active and it's still visible, especially during these times that I'm pretty sure a lot of, in terms of the media world, a lot of people had to shut down and are at this point silent. Yeah, well, don't, I think I think that's the key is that, you know, keep trying to do something, but as you also mentioned too, stay within your means and, mm-hmm. and uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, exactly. Keep, keep moving forward. Um, well, I do want to talk about your work a little bit off the bat, if you don't mind. No, let's as, go for as, it. <laughs> as, 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 a, as a filmmaker, because I think it's important. Um, uh, you know, it's funny observing from your body of work, because uh, I've I've seen a lot of your work, and we've done two of your films, <laughs> the thank film you, festival. You. Uh, you can definitely say I'm a fan. Uh, but it's funny I've noticed you heavily gravitate to writing for the genres of romance, mm. <laughs> and then 
horror thriller. <laughs> and so, I mean, because you have distances, like the choice, love cycle, mm-hmm. very much romance uh, themes and stories. And you yes. have horror in the heights, obviously, unsecured kill, obviously. Yeah. And you're just like, horror, like, I'm just, I had to laugh, Carlos. I'm like, is there a particular reason you feel so comfortable exploring <laughs> these two genres? <laughs> Honestly, I think that I grew up in a household where I used to watch a lot of soap opera, especially like a Univision with my grandmother. So I think all those love, romance, story were kind of implanted in my head. And it's funny because I see people ask me like, hey, is this based on your on your life? Because some of these situations, some of these scenes look really realistic. And I'm like, no, it's not my life, <laughs> uh, especially for distances. Uh, the first half, somewhat similar uh can be based on a real uh real life situation because i did meet my girlfriend uh curry girlfriend in college so we did meet in college had a good time but then in the in the short film things go downhill after graduation none of that happened in real life that was just part of me making a short film dramatic and i always think in my head like what if if the situation gets out of control and i just like to play with the what if of a situation and Honestly, we're all human, so I try to make some situation uh, that a lot of humans can relate to because I know a lot of people have gone through like downfall relationship and just in general, all type of relationship. And then in terms of the thriller, I love thriller movie. It's interesting that I chose horror. Uh, One of my friends who he likes horror, he had me help him write and direct Horror in the Heights. So that's the only reason why I did that one. But then after a while, I was like, oh, this is actually not bad. And... I don't, I'm not a fan of horror films, but my mom is. So I feel like maybe genetically that got passed down and subconsciously. I'm like, I, maybe I do like horror then. I'm just not admitting it. <laughs> well, I, I just, it's just funny how they both kind of emerged as like go-tos for you. Uh, but I think it's great though. Hey, if it works, right? It was, a, it was a happy accident. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and another aspect I appreciate about your artistry is that when you, you, you actually do, you mentioned you wrote Horror in the Heights, or co-wrote, I should say, right? Yes. And uh, you, But you write the screenplays for most of your films. Yes. And so I think that's really, um, if, if anybody has learned anything from COVID, uh, you need to be a self-starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yours as well predates COVID. Uh, and I'm curious, uh, what was your gateway into filmmaking? And, and was it the medium of cinema? Or did you have stories that you were writing that you wanted to, uh, you felt like that was the best medium to tell the story? So let me, I'm gonna go back in time a little bit. Uh, so my interest came out when I was in, actually in the Dominican Republic. It was a summer, um, summertime. I was between my, I think sophomore and junior year of high school. And a bunch of my friends were into this dance called the jerk, uh, kind of like the thing of the time. And then they were like, oh, Carlos has a camera. So I had one of those Cyberlink camera, the one that the lens pops in and out. Uh, and then we made a video. I never edited before, shot a video before. And then I put it together uh, looking back to it, it's not, not my best work, obviously, but at the time I was really impressed with myself, but I was also more impressed with the reaction. I didn't think that something so simple was going to get positive reaction and people were going to like it. And the fact that I, especially because it was about seven of my friends involved, they were just excited that they were able to see themselves represented in a way that they wanted to get represented. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is a thing. And my family is mostly full of like uh, medical professions. Uh, professionals, I mean, uh, and psychologists and engineers, but nobody uh, works in the media other than like, uh, I think two, yeah, two uncle, an uncle and an aunt that they work in a publishing company in Dominican Republic, but everybody else are outside of that world. So I think I grew up, I mean, because I grew up without knowing what it's like to be a filmmaker, I, I think that's why I started a little bit late. 
And when I came back to the U.S., I was applying to colleges, and then I discovered that you can actually study film in college. And I'm like, oh, I did not know that was a thing. Uh, so then I was looking for a college that offer uh, pre-med and also filmmaking because I was interested in pre-med at the time. Uh, I went into college. The sciences took me down. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to stick with filmmaking, especially because I really enjoyed it. And it was interesting because I went. my college uh, was Clark University up in Worcester, Massachusetts. And a lot of the courses were theory-based. Uh, but I, when it came to production, I learned more from working with my peers outside of class because uh, we just were interested in production, but we didn't really have a lot of production classes. And then through that, I started getting recognized in the college as like one of the main filmmakers. Me and two other friends, we were like the trio. We were, we were called the trio of filmmaking. And then after that moment, uh, I was like, okay, this is my thing. I started uh, branching out, working with other um, nonprofit organization in the community. And then when I came to New York, I was like, okay, let me try to focus you know, on my own brand. And then Cinematic Heights was born, and then I started working with other uptown um, organizations, and then I started focusing on short films because now I know that my passion is um, narrative films. Uh, at some point, I do want to make a feature-length film, but I know that takes time and a lot of more effort, and I do want to master short films before I get to that stage, although I have a bunch of idea if I were to make a feature-length film. Uh, and yeah, I think that's what kind of led me up to now. And then the photography part, it was just... Uh, for marketing purposes, I found out that that will, was beneficial to me because a lot of people knew a photographer and I'm like, oh, and I normally will take photos for my short film, for the storyboards. Uh, and yeah, they just went hand in hand. And then I kind of mastered photography. And um, I I think it was two years ago, I co-founded the Uptown Photo Walk with my friend Emmanuel, that he's a um, co-founder of, uh, for Uptown, uh, the word of bookstore. Uh, so yeah, we also do that and hopefully we're going to bring that soon. So a lot of the things are kind of coming in full circles. And again, I was never expecting that coming out of college. It was kind of like, I'm from the Uptown community. I really love Uptown. Uh, let me see if I can use my craft to benefit the community and see where that will get me. It was all out of passion and out of love. And I think that's probably the main reason why I'm here. Well, I think it's fantastic that you've focused on your craft in telling stories from an Uptown community perspective and a culturally Hispanic perspective as well mm -hmm. uh, for most of your films uh, and your photography, I guess to say, many times. Uh, your casting and setting of your films reflect that, I feel. Um, and yet your stories are also, even though we're set up town, they're very universal and can be appreciated, I think, by anyone any, anywhere. Uh, so how important is it to you that you be a voice for uptown hispanic driven stories and and do you have an intended audience when you film is uh i would say it's really important uh especially because i don't see i see some short films especially like in the dominican film festival a lot of the films are focused let's say like in the dominican diaspora focus on one culture i think i focus more on a general population of the uh latino hispanic community and just in general just uptown so i think you can either focus on like the outside of the country depending on where the person is from or you can focus on the neighborhood city the local uh the local neighborhood so for example uh for uh what was, yeah like for harvard the heights i'm just thinking about my various films uh, i shot in the 191st street tunnel and just thinking about it i like i noticed that not a lot of people if they were to make short films uh or based in the heights or in wood uh they wouldn't choose locations that would be focused on just because it was uptown 
I that's what I try to do. So every time I make a short film, I try to make sure I involve either a shot of the George Washington Bridge or any Inwood land, um, landmarks, Washington High landmark. Um, for example, like, like I mentioned, the tunnel was an example. Um, so I always want to add something that kind of brands this film as it was made in the highest, and I just put it in the credit, but you can also see that it was made uptown through the visual um, of the short film. Uh, and then I know you asked me a second question, and I just blanked on it. So... <laughs> There's, they're all the same. I'm just saying how important it is to you um, to have that kind of representation. Uh, it's an uptown voice. It's also uh, representation for uh, for Spanish. Like you, like your casting reflects it. And like like you, I think it's it's just it's more than just hearsay. Uh, and then also there's the universality of mm -hmm. saying like, are your audiences? Do you intend for a local audience, or do you try to reach your audience more universal? Yes. So in terms of audience, I do try to. At first, it was more just for my own personal uh, preference. But now I think now that I, I'm getting older, learning more about the industry, I do ha my goal is to get as many people as possible to watch it, which is why I like to do I love to do drama because drama is basically relatable no matter what age you are. There's definitely a teenager who has a similar experience to anybody who's probably like in their 60s or 70s. Um, so I try to make it a uh, human. I guess, yeah, my, my audience are, are for humans, all humans. <laughs> Um, and then in terms of like casting, uh, I I feel like again happy accident. I normally just ask a bunch of people like, hey, who's interested? And then uh, if they're interested, I uh, I, I do a, a casting. And if I like how they perform, then I would choose them. And then sometimes I just end up finding out that uh, I accidentally hired a diverse cast. But that wasn't my intention. I was just looking at pure performance. Um, especially if you look at most of my films, that if somebody brought it up to my attention is that. Uh, my girlfriend and I were Dominican, but she's a darker-skinned Dominican. So in a lot of my short films, you will see a character who's light-skinned and then another character who has her complexion. And people say, like, hey, is it based on like, your life? I say, no, honestly, it was an accident. I was just, the person was available. Uh, I like the way they perform, so I brought them in, and it just worked out. Uh, and maybe, again, because it's like my passion chose for me what I was going to do, it's, sometimes it's hard to explain, but I, I'm just literally going on pure passion and, and the love of what I'm doing, and not necessarily like, eh, I want to choose them because this character works better, um, because either their complexion or because their accent or ethnicity was so not. Um, although I do, I am working on some short films that do require certain accent. Like for example, I have a for a short film that's coming up soon, or I have sorry, I have written and I'm gonna. Uh, going to production soon one of the characters is going to have a lot of dominican slang and slogans so definitely i want to have somebody of the culture who probably knows it better but yet again if somebody of another culture can perform it better than the actual dominican which is something similar you see in hollywood that somebody from outside can perform really well i would definitely bring that person in so yeah well it's kind of based on who's available for casting during that time <laughs> sometimes it's all about the stars aligning right exactly are they are they good great but are they available yes okay fine <laughs> literally sometimes who's available is more important if they're great <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's the thing about filmmaking that is unpredictable not only when something goes wrong in the scheduling but just in like casting yeah. the whole process is unpredictable no, at whole, times. whole projects people understand whole projects are upended because of scheduling mm -hmm. uh it, you could have your dream cast ready to go and then something happens in their life and it, you try to change things the schedule and it, it hurts someone else's schedule mm -hmm. your director of photography is not available you're exactly <laughs> it, it, it just something the dominoes just 
have to fall correctly every time mm-hmm. for it is a small miracle is it not to to create yeah it's that, that's the fun part of it <laughs> that's the exciting part of filmmaking just the yeah and i think that that's what i always tell people if you're interested in filmmaking you should definitely like be aware that anything can go downhill so you definitely want to make sure like if you're spending 13 hours on set if you hate your life it's not for you but I've been on set for like 13, 14 hours for an actual professional production uh, years ago. And I was like, at the end of the day, I'm tired, but I'm still like happy to be here. So, yeah, definitely this is something that you have to love in order for you to keep doing it. Well, you work, you have many things in the pipeline, uh, short film-wise. Uh, you've recently um, created a podcast. Yes. Uh, a, a different direction for you, yeah. cr- cr- creatively speaking. <laughs> Uh, called empanadas sin raisins. Yes, I don't know what you have against raisins, but that's, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not judging you, man. Uh, uh, oh no, my. If you, do you love raisins? I, I I think they're fine. I don't crave them or anything. But I mean, like when we were kids, you know, the little like sun sun you know, the little red yeah, boxes mm-hmm. of the raisins. And I mean, who who didn't have those when you were a kid, yep. right? Uh, but I don't like. I don't go. I I can't say I've bought raisins in years. Yeah. Myself. I, yeah. I think for the purpose of the podcast, I'm not. I'm just gonna say I hate raisins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just keep it at that. But yeah, it's a. It was interesting because what happened was that my best friend and he actually lives on 181st Street, um, so he's also an uptown native, and he and I always had a good conversation. Like we met in literally doing orientation of high school, which was like. Almost more than ten years ago, actually. Well, it's been a while, <laughs> and we every time we have a conversation is like pretty deep, pretty entertaining. We laugh at times, and I was like, "What if we bring our conversation to an audience?" Because whenever we have a conversation with other friends, they enjoy what we were talking about. So I was like, "Let's try to do that." And the difference between us is that I think I'm more proactive, and in terms of the show, I tend to produce. Basically, I edit the show, upload it and everything. He just basically is there to talk. He shows up. He has a yeah. good life, right? So I'm literally, I'm his agent. <laughs> and I which, know what that's like. But the, the thing I don't mind because, again, I'm more, he's not really tech savvy. But when it comes to conversation, he's great. So I think that's his, uh, the perk that he has. And, yeah, we just balanced out it, like, you know, awesome ways. So I was like, oh, let's try to do this. So I was learning how to make a podcast, how to upload it. And yeah, I think now, actually, this Monday, we're going to hit episode 20 of our podcast because we've been releasing it once a week. And we started a few months ago. So yeah, so far, we've been getting good feedback. We talk about different things, controversial topics, um, things like work and then employment are you happy i work with one of our popular one and then other things like uh cancel culture which was a recent one so we try to have conversation that makes people think but also educate them and just hopefully they just gain something out of it that's what we hope from them um to basically get from our podcast and then also at the end of the podcast we uh, we give the audience a fun fact because if they didn't learn anything at least they learned something that's not related to the topic of the day and just a random fun fact so what has the response been so far? And how, and how I'm curious, like as a podcaster myself, mm-hmm. how do you measure success? Um, once the sponsor starts coming in. <laughs> well, you, you have time. You hit your 20th episode. You have time. Yeah. So I think it's just getting, because right now, we, I think on average, maybe we get about, I don't know, 20 listeners, sometimes 10. Sometimes we get less than that. But I'm, I don't try to focus on the number. I just try to focus 
on just the producing the content and whatever comes, whatever, whatever happens. Cause again, we're doing this for fun and just because sure. out of love and passion. And I think the more actually two moments that are like, wow, this is awesome. Is that two people on Instagram that we haven't spoken to or listened to in years. One of them was a high school friend and one was the external friend that we met outside. Uh, they commented and say, wow, these, for a two separate episode, like, yeah, like I can relate. Thank you for doing this podcast. This is great. And if people that you wouldn't expect to even listen to your podcast, people that you don't talk to, people who, when they post something or you post something, you guys don't like your, each other's photos. So it's like, the it was just unexpected. So it tells me like, oh, maybe it's fine if I don't, not a lot of people like the post, but who knows who's listening to it. Maybe somebody who I'm not expecting is listening to it. And then they're like, well, they actually like changed their life or changed some smart, small part of it. Um, and yeah, I think just if we, I guess if we can change one person life in a positive way, it's a good thing. So I will say maybe that's a success. Sure. Um, not just trying to entertain people, but the fact that the person is like, I'm a better person after listening to this, that I think that's that for me, that would be the success. Well, it's very, I was wondering about that. And that's a great answer because I, it goes back to what you said earlier about like, you like doing drama mm-hmm. uh, and your, your storytelling of drama. And it seems to me like you said, like, you know, I've listened to your podcast. So I'm one of those numbers. Oh, thank and, you, thank um, you. <laughs> uh, you know, you cover from anime to cancel culture, to investing and to um, appropriation. Uh, you, you cover a, a wide range of cultural topics. And um, I think it's, it's, it's fun. It's funny to me to see um, these stories are obviously they're very prevalent in the news culture. Uh, at the same time, is that uh, I think it's worth hearing someone who I'll say your age, who is younger than me by about oh I don't know maybe fifteen twenty years or so, <laughs> who has such a great worldview and trying to include people and in and be helpful to people. Uh, and I feel the same way about this podcast by showcasing and. Hopefully, um, people can listen to this podcast. A, bring people to your podcast, be mm-hmm. great. And two, is find more about you. And and obviously, ultimately, you're listening to reveal things about yourself. Um, while you're, but as a listener, mm-hmm. uh, you're, hopefully, your audiences are t- are gleaning um, some kind of uh, insight, or or maybe just be entertained, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you you just I think the thing is, uh, if I can say it to you, was. We haven't been doing this that much longer than you, uh, but this is our second season of it. And I will say this, the feedback I received, if it's helpful, is that consistency is key. Um, by by doing it, um, it seems like we're not kidding ourselves, so to speak. And uh, we are, it's nice to have that feedback, I agree, uh, whether it's on Instagram or otherwise, uh, saying that you this was helpful um, I never knew that about this. I'm struggling with my short film. I'm uh, I'm a painter, and this way of this artist was speaking about painting mm-hmm. was interesting. And uh, I think the more we're the more open we are about our humanity um, and the way we consume information is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are listening to things. Uh, people are, are on, a, on a different way uh, than yeah. ever before, and the way we consume information has changed. Uh, I think it's only helpful that you're doing what you're doing, and. Uh, I look for, forward to more great episodes from you. Oh, no, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it honestly comes down to people just have to accept that we all have flaws, but then other humans can actually teach us benefit, like actual uh, life tips, and that will benefit us in the long run. So you don't be shy from it. And again, yeah, in this podcast, I just love to be open because uh, normally outside of the podcast, I tend to be a reserved uh, person. Just, just observe. I like to observe the situation and 
I think that's the reason why I have great talks with my best friend because I sit back and I listen from both sides of an argument depending on what the topic is and then I'm able to repeat it but also bring out both sides of the argument to say I believe in this however many people agree with this and then that way I don't want to make it a one-sided conversation because then that's not what the audience want Um, especially if it comes to politics for example I definitely want to say this is what I believe in but other people believe this this is why I think it's wrong this is why I think it's probably good about it but and just keep going on from there so uh, yeah, it's a fun thing we're doing, and honestly, we don't know where it's going to take us, but we're just going to keep doing it as, as long as we love it. <laughs> well, what advice can you give to emerging writers and podcasters and filmmakers out there who are trying to find their ways in this do-it-yourself culture to create and get their projects going? Uh, honestly, just create. I know it sounds cliche, uh, but it's like one of those things that you're like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker, I want to be a writer, and you can watch a lot of YouTube videos, read a lot of books, but... If you ask them, like, when was the last time you wrote they, or, like, planted like, the seed to start making a script for a short film, they might say, oh, uh, I haven't done it or it's been, like, half a year. So maybe instead of uh, of doing a lot of research and stuff, just maybe actually start doing the action of whatever you want to do uh, because then that's how the whole cycle starts. You have to start writing. You got to start writing a short film. Because if you keep talking about it, it's not going to do much. And I know I'm guilty of, of this, of just talking and not doing anything. Uh, but people definitely want to start doing it. And maybe if they have to enforce it, they can say tomorrow or next Monday um, uh, at 12. Or my task for the day is to sit down and write for an hour. Or to plan a short film or organize this or organize that. Just force yourself to do it. Because that has helped me in the past in which I had to actually write a checklist. And I'm like, I can't. No video games for me, no Netflix for me, unless I do these tasks. So I had this kind of uh, one of those, uh, how do I say it, discipline, disciplinary tasks that I have to do on my and bring it upon myself because if I have no discipline, then I'm not going to get where I want to. And especially with COVID, a lot of people are, are at home and uh, the, the temptations of being lazy is there because, <laughs> again, I can relate to it. Um, so, yeah, definitely just if you're going to do it, instead of saying it, just keep it to yourself, but then write a, try to do a checklist of like, this, this is my plan for the week. On Monday, I'm going to do this, this, and that. And again, hold yourself back from doing whatever you love to do because you have to do what is more important to you, which is writing, filmmaking, etc. Well, Carlos, uh, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I'm really curious to see how this podcast is going to inform your filmmaking with all these different life experiences and the balance you're finding in these conversations Mm -hmm. and how you're going to bring it back to your art too. Cause I think it's really neat. uh, Just, I mean, I think it is, I think it's really exciting to see um, how conversations are being created and how, and how you, you know, you draw from life into your work. And I think that's going to be really informative to your work coming forward, particularly your feature films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you again for having me here. And yeah, I'm looking forward again because I feel like a lot of the rewards that I see for my projects, it tends to be uh, just a surprise, which I, I don't, I, I love surprises. Um, and yeah, so I've just sit down doing out of passion and I feel like again telling people if they want to do something just do it out of passion and don't think about like I'm doing this to be famous I'm trying to do this to win this just most of the I leave personally when I focus on a project and it was uh, passion based it does way better than projects that I focus on success based Uh, so yeah do it as a passion and because I feel like passion the drive of passion is stronger than the passion the drive sorry the drive for success well folks Follow your passion, 
and the words of Polonius to Laertes and Hamlet, to thine own self be true, <laughs> right? Keep it going. Exactly. Very good. Well, Carlos, thanks again for coming in today. Uh, is there a place that people can follow Cinematic Heights Productions and all you have going on? Yes, uh, they can follow me on Instagram, Cinematic Heights, and I also have a website. But yeah, definitely Instagram is my number one place to um, that I'm at. So you can message me if you have any questions in regards to filmmaking, photography, any projects, whatever. Uh, and basically, it links to my personal profile, which I just put my photos plus food because I just love to eat. Uh, and yeah, and my website is there. So yeah, Cinematic Heist on Instagram is a place you should go. And where is the podcast found? The podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Those are the main four. And yeah, just search Empanadas Seen Raisins. I actually checked and there's no Empanadas podcast anywhere. So hopefully you should see it. A orange uh, no sorry a purple square with two raisins and search engines are wonderful things to, to maximize so exactly. if you could be the one empanadas podcast god bless you <laughs> <For real. laughs> well thanks again carlos for joining me here on this artist spotlight episode of inwood artworks on air it's where we meet the musicians filmmakers writers theater makers and artists of all stripes who make their homes here in upper manhattan uh if you have a moment uh listener Please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts because it really does help. You guys should do that for yours, too. We should do that. See, I'm learning new things. There you go. Uh, and many thanks again to Dykeman Farmhouse Museum here in Inwood for hosting us and to HeightSites.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks and keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks South Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all of our free programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Inwood Artworks On Air is made possible with funding from the NYC and Company Foundation with support from Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer and the Niska Electronic Media Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, Thank you so much for tuning in today from the Dykeman Farmhouse. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.